Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Tulsa World Opinion video podcast. I'm Jenny Graham, the editorial's editor, and I'm fortunate this week, Tim Newton of the Tulsa Dream Center has made time for me, and this is a busy man, I'm telling you. He's just running everywhere, so he's made time for us to talk about a, uh, a really interesting report. And so thank you, Tim, for joining us. Thank you for having me. This I'm uh, honored to be a, be a part. Well, I wanted to talk about a little bit of, of this report. The Tulsa Dream Center was involved with it, along with Youth Services. It was a report funded by the um, Ann and Henry Zero Foundation. Yeah. And it was done by, I want to get this right, by the Georgetown University's School of Public Policy's Center for Juvenile Justice Reform. And that caught my attention because this particular school at Georgetown University has done a lot of work in Tulsa, maybe not with this center, but they also did a lot of research on early childhood and other things. So this is this is a really uh, uh, you know specialized work, and you were looking at you, meaning this group, teen violence, youth violence, yes. and and Tulsa has had an uptick of that in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it was just basic questions. Uh, what's causing it? What? How do we prevent it? But it also got into racial disparities. So yes. um, I just, you were involved in this. A lot of the kids you work with uh, were interviewed. What struck you when you saw the report findings? What popped out to you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, first off, like, thank you again for having me here. And what was what struck out to me and even just coming on to this project when they first initiated uh, the, the conversation with us, a dream center about being a part of it was like, you know, if we're going to do it, we have to make youth the total center of it. And uh, youth voice is a really, really uh, important thing of ours. And we feel like it is, if you're reaching youth, you have to have that voice included in that. And um, and so just so going in and talking to the young people of, of what what they hear going on, and uh, I mean, there's so many things, honestly, um, that that stuck out to me when uh, them talking about, you know, why they feel like their peers um, commit crimes or why they commit crimes. Because we talked to boys and girls that are, that were incarcerated, like literally going into the detention center and sitting down with the young people and saying, "So, like, why do you like what, what was going on? Why did you do this?" And you got a lot of, I don't know, you know, and, and, and that's just a wall. And over time, you know, your conversations just, just really just, I spent a few hours with one young man just talking to him and just it's begin and as he began to relax so I was to really kind of dig down it's like man like not really like, like what, what do you think will help you not do this type of thing you know and uh, and but there's so many things that really just stuck out to me honestly like the the biggest one that stuck out to me uh was just how much our boys and girls internalize how they feel about where they live uh, that was that was for honestly probably the the biggest um the biggest thing because you hear differences in and you know north side south side east side west side and um and and people have their um their stereotypes about different certain parts of community and you you read it in the comments you you in <laughs> any type of post news post that's that's put out there you could you see the you see it and uh but the, to see how our boys and girls uh our young people have internalized like they they are aware you know, as well. And and even there, even though they may disagree, but they are aware that this is how other people feel about where they grew up and where they are. And so now they have internalized that like that, like, well, maybe this is the case. Maybe this is true. And um, and so that that honestly probably 
surprised me the most. And um, I really, I would say it, it I, I shouldn't say it, it surprised me most, but it also, it touched me the most because uh, to see that, you know, they, it wasn't like a, a prideful thing. It was like, man, like, I, because I'm here, this is what's expected of me. You so know? they were sort of living up to what our community has labeled their neighborhoods. Correct. Is what it comes down to. So, and I've always had a problem with that kind of thing, like the you know, at-risk schools or the, the A to F report card, I think it it harms those areas that are working so hard to change their correct. environment. Correct, so, correct. Because we went, we and we were literally in schools all over. You know, we were in McLean, we were in Rogers, we were in Webster, we were in Nathan Hill, we was in Edison. And we went to schools on all sides. Edison is a, is a South Tulsa school. And you heard a, you heard a very distinct difference in those young people in comparison to the young people at McLean or at Webster. Um, Rogers was a was a really interesting uh, mix because Rogers it it, it is north, but it's kind of like Midtown and is a is a, a magnet school, so it pulls students from all over our city. And so to hear the dynamic in one room was very, very interesting. Uh, you know, you may have one, one, one young person that lives in South Tulsa and the way he talks about the accessibility of things in his community is totally different from, this, from the student that's from North Tulsa and talking about it or West Tulsa talking about it and, uh, and, the, and how their community feels. So you heard it more at Rogers in one setting because they're coming from so many different directions, but it was all the same. Like, you know, if you're living in South Tulsa, they knew like, I got a lot of opportunities. I, you know, their, their, their response was a lot more positive in comparison to the students that did not live in South Tulsa. And so that, that was, those are things that, were, that stuck out the most. And that was interesting because the part of the report, like I said, about the racial disparities is not necessarily new, or it shouldn't be new to Tulsans because there was one statistic that black youth were five times more likely to be arrested than white youth. Mm -hmm. And those kind of things we know what this report did that I think was to the credit of, of the researchers and, and those of you involved is that it asked kids directly. Cause so often we hear the, uh, their views through filtered through teachers, administrators, other people that you include in this report, um, what they directly said. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be really interesting because, I mean, first of all, they're smart kids. Yeah. You read what they're saying. These are bright, young people, no matter where they're from. Yeah. But yeah. you had mentioned earlier about that difference between um, their perception of where they live. And you had said that, and, and I'm going to have you repeat it because I don't want to mess it up, but you had asked youth the, the, the question, I think it was, if you wanted a job, could you get one? What was the response, the differences? Can you explain of, of that? Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was either like absolutely or no, it's not an option. And, uh, and, and so it was, it was the extremes and I go back to Rogers. Rogers again was that, that school that really, really showed the differences in one classroom setting. You had some young man, they were like, hey, yeah, I can, I could find a job. I work at Reasons and Reasons does a great job with, you know, hiring young people. And, you know, they, and, and, and you had, a, you had literally you had probably four or five of them that was in that classroom that works at Reasons. They're cashiers or, or baggers or getting the carts. And so like, they're very active in working at Reasons. So shout out to Reasons on 15th and Lewis. Uh, they're doing a great job. Uh, but then you had those same, you had other students in that same class that live on the north side of town that was like, no, there's no job opportunities for me at all. And, and when, 
after hearing that, I dug a little deeper and went to the, the what I would consider the business district in North Tulsa on Pine and Peoria. And you begin to talk to the, the managers of those different uh, fast food restaurants and places that you traditionally think that, okay, this is a, space, a place for a teenager. Walmart, not Walmart, but um, well, yeah, Walmart would be a place, but there's no Walmart, no Tulsa, but Wendy's and um, uh, KFC, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Burger King, Sonic, uh, all of those are, um, are restaurants, Popeyes, are restaurants in North Tulsa, but they have very few um, teenagers working at their facility. And when we spoke with the managers at those locations, um, they're saying it's much easier to hire adults uh, because their schedule is a lot more flexible, uh, they're more reliable, and and frankly, you could pay them the same. And so and and, and so be, and so because of that, it's much more easier for them to just let me just opt for an adult. And, and there's not a lot of uh, job opportunities in North Tulsa, so therefore now our teenagers are being left out in job opportunities and jobs that we will consider and. Uh, we will consider more like youth type jobs for them to work in. Those jobs are not, op- op- there's not opportunities for them in their community. So, so it comes down to they're competing with adults for those jobs. Exactly. And, then, and then with a lot of kids, I mean, transportation is an issue. Kids yeah. can't, cars are expensive. Car used cars right now are expensive. I've got teenagers. I know, but they don't, if you don't have a car to get a job that's a little further away, then you really are shut out. And, right. and I want to point out, this is important because in the report, the question the, the top three factors, and you know this, but I'll, it's um, the factors that lead to youth crime. 80% said a lack of family support. 72% said lack of money. And 72% said peer pressure. Yeah. Can you expand a little bit on the um, the family support aspect? Yes, yes. So like lack of family support, you know, really like we, we tried to summarize that and, and um as, as, as much as we can, it's a small soundbite, but really that family support, it wasn't just considered uh, the, the way the students were defining family. It wasn't just mom and dad, auntie, uncle, grandmother, grandfather. It wasn't just that, that family, brother and sister. It was the overall community, like the village that was around me. So it could have been, you know, the, the coach, the teacher, the just, just adult parental uh, type figures around them, they are they are defining as family, and they just feel unsupported. And again, that was something that you saw a very huge disparity between that and different sides of town. And honestly, I believe that a lot of that has contributed to how they have heard adults talk about certain, like their neighborhood or where they live, and and them internalizing it, and they don't feel supported uh, because of that. It's like, well, you, and so so that's just my that's just my steps. Uh, um, uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Um, that, your, your thought of how that yeah, my thought of how that came about, but but definitely when we drilled down on that and talked to them about that, that was the that was a consensus. And you know, um, I will also say when before we rolled out these findings, when we we did our a, a year ago, we did all of our uh, research, and then just this past fall, we went back to the schools to those same places, spoke with those young people, and we rolled out what we found, our findings to them. And then we came to you and the rest of our city. So so all of this has been, we did the research, came up with the findings, went back to the young people and said, hey, like, did we hear you guys correctly? And they, again, yes, this is what, this, this is this is accurate. This is how we feel. And now then we rolled it to the Tulsa world and here we are. And so it's well, so just- 
let's give that out there. Well, well, and I wanted to say that it also, when you ask the question, the top three factors looking at what keeps kids away from crime. And to me, this is so simple. It's so like common sense. It is, you know, job opportunities. It's the ability and accessibility to participate in sports and music. Mm-hmm. And it's community service. And the community service kind of surprised me. But but it goes back to kids want to be, give them something to do. What is it? You know, idle hands or the work of the devil. I mean, it's, exactly. it's, 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 and it's, it's something that um, we're realizing we've left teenagers out. We've taken it for granted that maybe the schools are able to provide it. They're mm-hmm. not, or someone's providing it. And so to me, this is a very solvable problem. Very um, so. But it, but it also is going back to what you say, it has to include what youth want, because I know I, when I was growing up, there would be some group to decide, well, we know the kids need something to do. So we're going to open up a youth center or we're going to, they weren't asking us what we needed. And Mm -hmm. so hearing from the kids, it's not unlike adults. We want to contribute. We want to, you know, if we're going to do something, we want it to be worthwhile, whether that's a job or I want to be in band or, or, and that's where the community service surprised me because I thought teenagers would have to have an incentive, but that's not what you're saying. Yeah, that- no, no. And honestly, that when when I, I, I circle back around that a couple of times uh, when we when we first got the the results, and then we went back to the schools and like, so let me. I just want to make sure, like, this was number four and five and six. Like, do any one of these you guys want to like put above community service? Because like I. I'm yeah. thinking that this is not accurate, and they're like, "No, no, no!" Like, think like we want to do something. We want to. We want to be. We like doing things in our community. We 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 like. We enjoy doing community service, and which which and when I think about just the things that the young people we've had come through the Dream Center, and like they do, like when I talk about, "Hey, let, let's volunteer and let's go," you know, um, clean up this 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 street. We have a program called Adopt a Block where we just walk the street and pick up trash. They're all for it. You know, especially when it's a volunteer. Now, when it's punitive, now that's a different story. You know, right? You know, they want to do it out of their own free want, will. Yeah, they want to have our own free will. Uh, and 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 because, like, you know, I care about my community. I want to do things. You know, and I think often, you know, kind of going about what you're saying about you know people building these youth centers. You know, a lot of times they say, well, let's build a youth center, but then it really turns into a kid center. Right. You know, it's 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 for you know pre-K to about fifth grade, sixth grade. And I think often a lot of times like adults uh, as parents, you know, we, our kids get a little older and uh, they gain a little independency. And so then we, we tend to not stay on top of them and give them activities for them to do, you know, and we see it all the time. We serve just in an elementary group. We serve over 200 boys and girls in our elementary age group. But then that number falls off drastically when we hit middle school, high school. And it's typically because parents are not uh, outside of resources is getting parents are not uh, they're not telling their kids or seeking out activities for their for their teenager you know um and i think that's i think that's part of it and and those boys girls just wanting something to do and i think a lot of times we have we, have, we make this assumption that the school has so many activities for our for our boys and girls whether it's sports or band and all these different things but the truth of the matter of most schools those programs are are dying even sports or, or, or dead, <laughs> you know, but for, for, for whatever reason. So whether it's, whether it's resources or there's, um, or just lack of someone being able to facilitate it, equipment, you know, it, it, we're, we're in this process even now just trying to recreate, and North Tulsa trying to uh, re- recreate like a wrestling team, 
And you know that um, there's a there's a McLean. They this is their first year having a wrestling team in a long time, and and uh, the coach he made the he made the take take an initiative to actually go to Monroe, which is a middle school that feed into McLean, to start a middle school wrestling team. But most most middle schools don't have bands anymore, you know. And so how does the so when you look at the bands that's at high schools now, they're really really small. Why? Because those kids, they didn't learn how to play the trumpet in the sixth grade. You know, they know that they're picking up in that in the ninth grade, which, you know, but you look at Broken Arrow or or Jinx or Union and you look at how big their band is. But then you go back to their middle school and you see a large band that's active, that's funded, that kids are engaged in. And but so when you take those things out of schools, it goes, those opportunities goes away. But I think a lot of parents, they're in this mindset of, well, when I was a teenager, we had these opportunities at school. So my child, obviously they're doing this. No, they're not. They're, they're sitting on their hands. Like you said, idle time is the devil's playground and the devil's well, playing. <laughs> well, good for you with the wrestling. I'm, I, uh, I'm just thinking of like Kenny Monday from North Tulsa. He's a gold medalist from there. And so, but you're right. I think so many people are assuming these activities are out there. And there's also a cost involved. Like, let's just say someone wants to get involved in youth baseball or youth football. Yeah, those leagues are expensive. I have, I mean, you have a daughter who wants to be in competitive dance. Just, I mean, it's it's sometimes out of it's you can't afford it. I mean, even for working middle class families, it's a struggle. So, yeah, you know. And, and in this way, I think this is such a solvable problem. Like the, now that the community knows mm-hmm. what we need are robust, basically after school program and extracurriculars, because we've starved our school systems to yep. the point where they're cutting the, these things. Yep. Yep. That's a whole other issue, I guess. But, yeah. but now that we know it and people who want to help can, can, can be there, but you had said that you have a hard time. Do you have a hard time raising money for those older ones? Yes, yes, we have a hard time raising raising funds for it, and and, and honestly, you know, I I, I tell you, everyone wants to see the the cute the cute little kid, you know, the little, you know, if I if I want to if I, I want to you know move pull the hearts heartstrings of people that pulls the heartstrings of their wallet, I showed up a nice a cute little five six seven year old, and people are like oh you know, and but you know it, they don't get that same effect when they look at a thirteen or fourteen or fifteen year old. And, um, and and it's it's more expensive and it's just harder to to raise the funds and you know the the expense you know perfect example you know we we just did this program with Google uh, coding program Google Code Next or was the name of the program and um, that that program is a coding program with teaching teaching teenagers how to code but they had to use a Mac c- computer to learn Swift the the the, the, pro- the protocol like Swift and Python. Well, not Python, but, but Swift, Swift Playground. And so it took it took Apple computers to do that. Well, we have a coding program with our elementary school students, and we we're able to use Chromebooks. A Chromebook costs us anywhere between two to three hundred dollars. So it's cheap. A Mac computer costs between twelve to fifteen hundred. So you're looking at a thousand a thousand dollars difference in just for one same sim- very similar class, but it's just a level up for our teenagers. And so it just costs more money per child to 
to uh, be able to do out of school time activities for our young people. And I think that's also part of, you know, it's it's harder to get people to um, to to motivate and and be able to say my cost per student, my my bang for my buck, if you will. I'm going to this dollar is going to go further if I'm funding something for smaller kids than older kids. Uh, but I will say, you know, since this article has come out, uh, there has been some conversations that's been happening where uh, people are like they're, they're waking up to it. So, so thank you for helping well, us. Because well, I think it's something that, and you know, it had me, and I was just thinking of this idea of that lack of family support, family meaning community. Mm-hmm. That when we cut these kind of programs, that's one less coach in their lives. That's one mm-hmm. less band director or theater instructor. And I wonder if that plays into it. That yeah. They don't have that one extra adult that could change lives. Yes. Yes. I mean, that that's totally that's that's totally right on. I, I actually at doing the symposium when we was doing the rollout, I um I did my assessment of breaking down the top three of how kids commit crimes. I was like, well, they don't feel supported by adults that's in their life. So then because peer pressure was one of the causes, right. I think it was like number three. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they, they don't they don't feel supported they don't feel like they have any resources because like lack of money lack of resources was one of them and then and then peer pressure was the other was the other reason I said so like so so here they are uh with no adults inside their life they have a need there's no adult for them to go to so who do they rely on their friends that's in the same situation they are and they're you know, like they're, they're they're not older and wiser. They haven't walked the same. They haven't walked walked the roads that they're trying to walk. And so now they're left to their own devices, them and their friends, to go out and try to figure it out. And uh, and that's what has that's that's what we see with our boys and girls. What's happening, where they're going, they're they're out with no no village around them. And so if we can bring this village around them to to help uh, move them along. Uh, and make make better decisions. They're, they're going to excel. You know, my myself personally, like I could think of just the village those around me that that helped me get to where I am. I would not, no way in the world, that I would be talking to you right now if it wasn't for the village of people that came around me after I dropped out of high school. You know, once those people came around me, then I was able to make decisions that that was better for my future. That got me to where I am today. But it takes those people, and it wasn't my mom and dad that that, that was it. It was it was other people. It was my baseball coach. It was the 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 the, the, the mom and dad that that just say, you know what? I see something in this young man. Let me let me pour into him. Let me show him a different a, a different way of life. Let me show him my world, and maybe he'll aspire to do something different than what he's doing right now. And 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 so it's just those people spending time with me, and I was able to bounce questions off of and and say, well, I'm thinking about going to this, I'm thinking about this school, and I want to get my GED, and how do I get that? And, you know, all of those different things, uh, it helped me, or just me just, I don't have anything to do this weekend, and you have any ideas? Because they knew if I was going to, if they left up to me to to figure it out, I was going to. Yeah, I I, I love teenagers. I think they're funny and hilarious, but they are, as a group, and I, I, again, they're not the brightest. And I'm thinking of my my teenage son and his friends. I'm like, they're not all the brightest mm-hmm. when they get together and have their ideas. So, but you're right. But then I, you know, I'm an adult there, or or they're with other adults who are like, okay, guys, let's mm-hmm. let's 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 re let's let's reroute here and exactly, come up with a exactly. plan. So you know, let's get, so uh, get somebody just just to help them bounce things off of and. And keep them in in the lane, and we, you know, we see that with our with our boys and girls, and you know, even now I think about you know Wayne, you know, um, I think you guys you guys said a story on on him, 
and just um, we we have been able to be his village, and and really we're just one part of that village. You know, he's there's so many other uh, things that he was able to get engaged in, but by him being engaged in those things from uh, KBOB. Uh, radio station, uh, local radio station in North Tulsa with the Juice Radio Show, and being involved at his church and different functions there. You know, his single mom, you know, raised raised him, him and his sister. You know, and but because of that village, was able to come around him. Now he's a student at Rogers State, and and even now, like he still is when he he need, he needs something, he has thoughts. He's picking up the phone. He's sending a text message. And and we're and we're able to be there for them, and and that's what our boys and girls need. We just need to scale that up across our city. Well, and, the, and there is a step by step guide in this report on how to do that. Now, mm-hmm. when you're reading it, it's very public policy jargon. It is things like comprehensive you, delivery systems <laughs> and conducting service planning and dashboards. But just in simple terms, what does Tulsa as a city, as a community, what do we need to do mm-hmm. to get together and reduce Youth violence. How do what, what do we need to do to actually get this off the ground and provide these opportunities for kids? Yeah, I think uh, one thing we talked about having a public dashboard to show um, and basically a website so we can see what are all the opportunities out here for our teenagers, not kids, but teenagers that parents can get their get 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 their, um, their their child plugged into. Like so, having having something there that people can can go on and see. Right, these are all opportunities. I think about the Tulsa uh, Tulsa People magazine. They always put out an article every single year that talks about summer opportunities for kids, but not for teenagers. You know, so like, so what if we utilize that as a res- uh, resources like that to let's do something just for, strictly for teenagers, 13 and 13, 18 year old, these opportunities, but then also, um, so, that, so that's, so that's one thing, but then also uh, create, create opportunities. How do we start looking around and create opportunities for our young people that's, uh, that's, that's around, uh, that's around our city. So, you know, if you're a business owner saying, okay, what can I do to uh, give opportunities to one or two young people, whether it's just during the summer months, uh, which are typically the most most vulnerable time for our young people because they have the most idle time on their hands because there's no school. Uh, but how do I, how do me personally, how can I create opportunities for a young person or young people uh, in my in my space, whether it's professional or at home or whatever? So I think those are two basic things that we can do and really practical stuff that we can make happen. Uh, they can really go a long way in our community. And then also, like, if you can't, if you're in a position where you can fund something, like, find opportunities, uh, organizations that are um, uh, that are working with young people and say, hey, you know, I will, you know, I would, and I will, I will, I like to fund something to go towards teenagers and being able to, you know, really kind of target your your resources in that direction. Okay. So, so how would someone go about doing that? I mean, if they're saying, I want to do what this report says, I want to be part of the conversation Mm -hmm. to get a system-wide dashboard, to do a system-wide, do they, I mean, who's, is there a leader yet for this uh, initiative for lack of better? Not yet. I mean, there's a couple of players that we're, that we're talking to, uh, to help, uh, could could possibly lead certain aspects of that, uh, like opportunity project, Impact Tulsa, uh, those are those are two organizations. And Impact Tulsa seems to be a, a, a 
kind of the natural player. Uh, they're they're really good at convening everyone together and uh, in a very neutral fashion because uh, it's not something where we feel like okay, well, Dream City needs to lead this. YST needs to lead this. Obviously, Georgetown is not going to lead. There, we we just want their their work's done. Yeah, yeah, their, their work is done. They're 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 way you know on the other side of the country, but um, but we just want to just really kind of bring it to light and feel where do we fit fit in at. Uh, but I'll also say like uh, something that we can all do is as adults is to watch the way we talk about communities, especially communities that we really don't know what really we don't live there. And so your perspective could be something that you heard in the 90s, but you're carrying over here in 2023, you know, and, you know, because I remember when I first moved to Tulsa in 2003, what I heard about North Tulsa, I'm, I've yet to see it. Like I, I've I've yet to I've yet to see it, and I've lived I've lived in North Tulsa for a few years now, and for a number of years now, and and I've yet to see all that it's it's up to be. I'm from I'm from South Central LA, so so I'm, I'm thinking like okay, like I'm, there's gonna be some drive-bys, there's gonna be some shootings, there's gonna be I'm gonna hear gunshots every night. Nope, that that that's just not the reality. You know, and, and contrary to popular belief, and so if people just watch their speech about the way they the way they speak about areas. Um, I think our young people is uh, from a um, from a self esteem standpoint, it will they will it will take them far, far. And I think that's as a collective, as a city, we just need to do a better job at how do we how do we talk about certain parts of our city. Um, you know, and it's you know especially like when we start labeling areas, you know, sixty person PR. You know, you say that. There's an automatic, you know, just reaction that people are going to get. You say, oh, yeah, yeah I'm over here in North Tulsa. And it's, it's like, well, like, is it really that? You know, and and, and so and, and so I think um, though that's another area that we can that we can do. But and I think that's some collectively it doesn't take anyone to lead the charge on that. But to answer your question, other ones, I think Opportunity Project, they do a lot of great stuff with primary young kids and they they do try to focus on op, uh, out of school time. And so, um, so I know there's going to, some, going to be some conversations with them about seeing how can they help with that whole dashboard, um, being to help spread the light on um, what what opportunities do we have for our boys and girls. That is great advice, and I've always it drives me crazy when people talk about stuff they've never seen, you know. And that comes yes. from people talking about what public schools are like to what neighborhoods are like. I'm like, if you haven't been in there, if you do, if you haven't seen it with your own eyes. Correct. And correct. How can you speak of it? So that's yeah, yeah. great advice. Like you said, like especially like with schools, uh, schools, different neighborhoods. I mean, there is there is more. I would tell you for sure, there is more community. You know, and I, I've lived on both sides of town, South Tulsa as well as North Tulsa. There is more community you will find in North Tulsa than you find in South Tulsa. You know, most like you go to a neighborhood in, in, in North Tulsa, and the neighbors know each other. You go to a community in South Tulsa. You may not know your dad. I, like I live in a neighborhood where I knew the person lived across from me and next to me, but I didn't know anyone beyond that. And I, and, and I tried to engage, but you just didn't see people. Like everyone has garages, their cars pull in the garage, and they go in their house and they do their thing. And uh, but in North Tulsa, that's just really not the case. Everyone kind of sits on the porch and hangs out and talks to each other, and they they speak to your kids. And you know, and if your kids are riding bikes on the street, they're gonna say, "Hey, baby, how you doing?" You know, so so it's just a it's a different vibe, and so the level of community is much greater. But those are the great things about North Tulsa that you just really don't you don't hear about, you don't talk about. You know, like there's no news story on that. It's only when something bad happens, and so, so we certainly need to do better by our teenagers. 
Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's not, and yes, it'll help with crime, but it's also the right thing to do. I mean, it's just kids need that to be successful. So even, you know, it's, it's like, say this is solvable. And I'm, it, it, at the end, it's just like, it's so simple. We've always known get kids something that they want to do that they feel wow. worthwhile. So, um, but you, and you have an interesting story in yourself that probably we had that could fill another hour, but I wanted you for just a minute to explain what the dream center is. Cause I know a lot of people have heard about it, but they may not understand what it is you do. So could you just take a, a couple of moments to explain what you do? Yeah. Yeah. So the dream center, we're a community outreach located, uh, well <laughs> located in North Tulsa, as well as now West Tulsa, uh, we're going to be doing a big a rollout on the location, everything, but we're expanding in two locations. And uh, we have six primary areas where we serve our community, food, clothing, medical, education, recreation, and housing. And uh, and that's how we address poverty. Uh, a good way to look at it, we're like a boys and girls club with social services wrapped around it. So imagine a boys and girls, had, boys and girls club, they have all these kids in and out of it, but then it provides a lot of services for adults. Uh, uh, during during the daytime and even on the weekends, and so that so that's what the Dream Center is, and uh, we've been serving our community for over 22 years now uh, here. And uh, last year we touched over almost 60,000 people, 58,000 uh, individuals. Last year uh, we have over a thousand boys and girls inside our sports programs, from soccer to flag football to basketball. We do a lot with education. Um, our focus is third grade reading proficiency, as well as eighth grade math proficiency. And we really want to uh, make sure that all our boys and girls can pass those two tests because we know those are very pivotal in their path of education. And uh, and then just like I said, it's keeping the boys and girls engaged in different activities. And, and it's really what, what we're all about, like you know, get, get, having a safe place for our boys and girls to be able to come to, but also their parents and just be that village around our parents to because we know that it takes a village to raise a child. And so we just want to be a part of that village. So whether it's a small part, it's a big part, have a part they want us to play in it. We we want to be that uh, for our families and our boys and girls because we just, we, we, love, we love our city. We love our community. And that's what it's about. Well, you do tremendous work. And I think what, how many, uh, the gifts did you give out over the holidays? Was it 6,000? Yes. Yeah, so our goal was to give and you, out. And you wrapped them all yourself, all 6,000? Yes. No. Well, not me physically myself, but <laughs> we, our city. The it great sounds like fun, person. wrapping gifts. Yes. I, I can say, I after about 10, I'd be like, I'm out. Yes. <laughs> we actually gave it close to 7,000. So, you know, so shout out to just the city of Tulsa. We had an Amazon wish list. Even after our Christmas giveaway was over with, we had people still, Amazon bosses was rolling in giving out toys. And so we went out door to door out in West Tulsa, passing out Christmas toys uh, to boys and girls. And so it was uh, amazing. I love it. Well, well, next year, I want to go in and see what 7,000 gifts wrapped looks like. It'll be like this workshop. I need to get a photo of that. So we'll do that next year. But thank you so much. Are there any last words you want to have? I appreciate your time. I always like to give guests kind of the the last word. Is there anything you just want to yeah. leave also with. I mean, my, my last thought, I think, I think we said, you know, just like our boys and girls, you know, they are, uh, our young people, they're, they're, they're doing such an amazing job and they just need more support by, by, by our city. You know, uh, whether it's, you know, you see a child, uh, you know, in, on a, at a store, or, you know, I know they may seem like they may look different and they may have an attitude or something like that, but like, just, but just speak to them. You know, like, like I think us uh, just, taking on to this this thought of like you know like let me 
if if this was my child, how would I want another adult to 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 speak towards them or or, or to approach them? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think if we if we looked at every child like they're our own, uh, we'll go so much further. And so that would be my encouragement to just our city. And because I mean, we, we we have the hands down. I lived in Los Angeles. I lived in L.A. I lived in uh, Atlanta. I lived in Birmingham. Tulsa is the greatest city, hands down, that I've ever lived in. And uh, and and we have such an amazing heart. And if we can allow that heart to spill out onto our boys and girls, our city would be just so much greater because, you know, they're not just our future. They really are now. And we have to invest in now for the, for our future. And so that there will be our greatest return on investment. So let's make that investment our young people. Well, I can't beat that. Those are great words. So thank you again. And thank, thank you, everyone, you. who have taken time to listen to this. And please get involved. And I like the idea of talking to kids like they are your younger self or your child. So thank you and uh, good luck. And I hope we can do this for kids. Yes, let's make it happen.